Can you guys hear that thunder? It is full on thundering out there. It's really pretty amazing. So, hey, welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Levine, and thanks so much with the endless lists of podcasts out there. You hear that? You guys chose this one, so I, I'm really appreciative of the fact that you're here. Uh, listen to this. Did you know that the ocean and the moon are a special part of your life? That it's something that actually is important? Uh, Jimi Hendrix wrote the wonderful lyrics about the sweet love between the moon and the deep blue sea about this concept. And it's something that's true. In fact, the Ocean Conservancy website will get us started. It tells us that as the Earth rotates, the area closest to the moon experiences its gravitational pull. Now, this pull and this gravity, it affects the whole Earth, not just the water, but because the water is much less dense than the land, we see the activity. We see the tides changing. It's actually quite the beautiful and poetic relationship. The article also states that, and this is why we're tackling the subject, during a full moon, it's not unusual to hear people make jokes about the erratic actions of themselves or others, blaming that full moon for any bad behavior. In fact, the word lunacy or lunatic is derived from the Roman goddess of the moon named Luna, which means moon. Interestingly, this brings us to something called lycanthropy. What's lycanthropy? Well, lycanthropy is the delusion that one has essentially become an animal. Uh, it's a real thing. In fact, biblically, Nebuchadnezzar took on these traits by abandoning his throne to eat grass like an animal in the field for years. Even in fictional things like Hollywood, you know, Hollywood being Hollywood didn't miss a beat and took lycanthropy to the next level by creating the, the next of the universal monsters in 1941, the Wolfman, starring Lon Chaney. And of course, the trigger for a normal guy to turn into wolf guy was, you guessed it, a full moon. But is a full moon a real trigger for this stuff? Does it change us? There's a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, the BBC chimed in. They had a piece called The Mood Altering Moon, which I'm going to refer to here. It said that the idea of the lunar cycle influencing people's behavior dates back thousands of years, but has largely been dismissed by modern medicine. But then we find that new research shows that there may be some truth to some of these ancient thoughts. One researcher, for example, stated that it looked very much like the patient's uh, mood and sleep patterns were tracking the rise and the fall of the Earth's oceans, which are driven by, of course, the gravitational pull of the moon. And then there was a situation where there were 17 patients that had rapid cycling bipolar disorder. And a psychiatrist published a paper about these 17 people. And it said that with this form of illness where people switch between depression and mania really, really quickly, all who showed an uncanny regularity 
in their episodes of illness seem to have uncanny precise ways in which they have this biological thing happen to them. The tides and the moon, of course the ocean, are the usual suspects for this. So let's talk about them individually. Let's start with the ocean, for example. You know, even those who specialize in studying this deep world are really only scratching the surface of everything going on out there. And in pop culture, especially artistically speaking, the ocean is a big ticket item. It is very hot. Thus, the sea or the ocean becomes this incredible metaphor for a writer, for either something or someone that you really want to understand better or know better, but you're just too overwhelmed by. Another aspect of this phenomenon is that for many of us, myself very much included, just by being by the water, the ocean, instantly we start to feel better. I'm not sure if that's true of everyone. I can only speak for myself. But when I'm by the ocean, I'm more at one with myself. My countenance is better overall, and I'm at peace, even if there's a freeway right behind me in most cases. Now, escapism is a bad thing if it's to an extreme, but letting oneself go into a place where they can meditate on things that make them happy is surely good for a person. It's funny, when my son was small and he couldn't fall asleep, even after our before bed routine, I would ask him to, to close his eyes and tell him to think about things that made him happy. I'd help him out. I'd start listing some of them for him in a soft voice. I'd say, strawberries, trains, superheroes, ice cream, playing with his friends outside on a nice day at the park. Not only usually did these things put him to sleep, but it put him to sleep peacefully. It was my hope that that would begin a journey into a happy place mentally and emotionally when he went to bed. Now, I don't know for sure if that's what happened or if that's true, but I like to think so. Metaphorically, all of this works on a lot of other levels as well. When something or someone can momentarily take you away from the world and you can just relax and reflect or just not think, it too can have a real calming effect. Music did that for me most of the years I was growing up and still can if I'm in the right frame of mind now. But when you know an ocean is out there, be it an ocean of sound or a literal ocean, life becomes much less mundane. It's actually more enriching. This not only makes one feel better, but gives them more to strive to understand if they want to go down that road. Songwriters take this route regularly as they use the concept that a person makes them better, a person makes them complete or makes them happy. Because while they themselves, just like us, are all in this cruel, cruel world, there's that bright spot, like sunshine, like their favorite person, or like the ocean, that puts a Band-Aid on our collective hearts, which hopefully will never come off, even in the water. Now, what about the moon? Now, the moon... Oh, I so hope you can hear this. Can you guys hear this? The moon is mind-blowing for me personally to imagine 
uh, imagine actually going to the moon, especially as someone who hasn't even tackled all of the continents on the planet that I actually live on. I, I can't even fathom that concept. Uh, some feel the original moon landing, they don't even believe it. They think it was a hoax going so far as feeling that somebody like Stanley Kubrick directed it under governmental assignment uh, with the similar artistry and materials that he made 2001 A Space Odyssey with. There is actually a very intricate visual thesis or two on this subject that states that his movie The Shining was filled with clues to let the American people know this because he had a guilty conscience. Now, whether or not this is true, I don't know, but it's interesting. But could you actually imagine boarding some kind of lunar vessel going that far into space and then getting out of it and stepping on the surface of the moon? Dude, I was also thinking that the moon is a very sought after subject in music, lyrically too. It has been for quite some time. Now, if you want to know the huge range in which the moon has permeated music, just to illustrate how vastly the moon has entered the songwriting process and crossed over into massive genres, think about this. Beethoven wrote the Piano Sonata Number no. 14 in C-sharp minor, Quasi Una Fantasia, number two in this regard, or if in layman's terms, you may have heard of it as uh, uh, the Moonlight Sonata in 1801. So you've got the Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. At the same time, Ozzy Osbourne wrote Bark at the Moon in 1983. The moon clearly causes musical worlds to collide as both Ozzy and Beethoven were both totally down with moon inspiration. I once read a personal experience that a writer had had after falling in young love uh, when they left the house of the person that they were totally in love with and happily walked home in fresh snow and it felt like they were walking on the moon. And as a result, the song Walking on the Moon by the police took on a very personal and special meaning for them. No, this is not me. I really did read this. I hope that's true because it's beyond romantic. The moon is everywhere. There's Moonlight in Vermont. There's The Killing Moon, Blue Moon, Fly Me to the Moon. The Moon Song playlist is, is really, really extensive. So what is it about the moon that attracts artists so much? Is it the mystery of it? Is it because of the light reflecting off of it? Is, is it a more scientific kind of romantic thing? My personal hypothesis is this. Often people in general, and to a higher degree, artists, are fascinated by what they can't understand or comprehend totally. The dark side of the moon. That, that big circular thing up there that is sometimes visibly round, sometimes a crescent, and is sometimes nowhere to be found, disappears from our view during the day. The moon is one of the best examples of trying to comprehend something we can't comprehend. The moon is just beyond the reach of most people. Even if an individual studies about it and learns all there is to know about it, chances are they're never going to physically touch it. They're probably never going to come even remotely close to it. This provides such an amazing metaphor of grand proportions for a writer 
or an artist that longs for that something or longs for that someone that they just can't touch, they just can't have. Attaining her love would be like touching the moon. While I think of her every minute of the day, I am as distant to her as the moon is from me. She's so close, but she's so far away, and so on. There is a sad romanticism tied up in a person wanting something or someone that they can't have. But whether we're in that position or not, we can certainly empathize with that kind of a situation. The unfair and often one-sided longing has probably happened to us at least once in our lives, maybe numerous times. She has been the moon. You see her. She's right there. But you can't touch her. You can't get close to her. Metaphorically, the moon will always do this for the aching heart and the crushed soul. In that sense, just as we can all see the moon at different various times, wherever we happen to live on the face of this earth, we can all relate to that metaphor to some degree or some extent too. Thus, the moon both unites us and speaks for us, which, forgive the play on words, is pretty far out. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist that I hope will make this drive home the theme of this episode. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, The Ocean and the Moon playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash The Ocean and the Moon. Let's get into it. Track number one. I Wish I Was the Moon by Nico Case. Number two is Ocean Size by Jane's Addiction. I actually interviewed Eric Avery, who was the original bassist for this band. He told me a story about when he had auditioned for Metallica to be their bass player after Jason Newstead, and how Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers gave him moral support. Uh, ultimately, he didn't get the job, but he was totally happy that he had the experience. Really cool story. Number three is Moonbeam Levels by Prince, which was unreleased until not that long ago. If there's more like that in his vault, I can't wait to hear it. Number four is Cocteau Twins with C, Swallow Me. Number five is Full Moon by The Kinks. Number six is Pacific Ocean Blues by Dennis Wilson. Number seven, Dreadlocks in Moonlight by Lee Scratch Perry. I had interviewed one of his drummers before who also drummed for Lou Reed. Both of those <laughs> he mentioned were pretty insane experiences based on the characters that, that are Lee Scratch Perry and Lou Reed. Number eight is La Mer by Charles Trenet. Number nine is Natural Science by Rush. I saw them do this song on their R40 tour. That and Jacob's Ladder and Xanadu all being played, that was just incredibly amazing. Number 10, Luna, which is the really, really pretty song by the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, something cool to pass along here as well. I actually met and interviewed Jeff Schroeder, uh, who plays with Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, I, I interviewed him a few years ago. He literally couldn't have been nicer. Really, really, really smart guy, too. 
that's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash the ocean and the moon. We would like to welcome brand new listeners to our program. Some weeks we get to do this and some weeks we don't. This time we do. Our demographics reports show that we now have brand new listeners in Allen, Texas, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks so much out there and welcome to Refresher. Guys, as always, this show would not exist without you. So if you could all do me a huge favor, please continue to pass this podcast on to your friends, as you've obviously been doing, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Can you guys hear that? That is some serious thunder. Also, if you would like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If you're inclined to do that, that would be great. But whether you do it or whether you don't, just please feel free to listen and enjoy anytime. No pressure, no strings attached, no worries, no sweat. This is yours. Enjoy it. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a huge favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next week.